Okay. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Whoa. Thank you. That's it. Just revel, <laughs> revel in that glory for a while, then we'll have a response song. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to go to the Old Testament today. <gasps> well, I've gone pretty close. Uh, you have to, I, I'm giving you loads of warning because I'm not, we don't, I'm not going to read quite yet, but it's a hard book to find. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I'm going to try and play a little bit of a game and see if you can guess what it is. Okay, um, so what I want to do today is, is, is look at what happens when God speaks. We have two choices, and I want to look at a character in the Old Testament uh, who, when God spoke to him, he made different choices. God speaks. Right at the beginning, in Genesis, God speaks. And, and he continues to speak, and he still speaks today. Now, there's different ways that we can hear God speak. One way is through the Bible. And I think, in fact, I think Alid spoke about this during worship. I was a bit of a mess during worship, so I'm ho- hopefully going to hold it together during this preach. But I think Alid spoke a little bit and drew, drew on God speaks through the Bible. And this is our primary way of seeing what God is saying. We open the scriptures and we see these are the words of God. In Timothy, we see that all of scripture is breathed out by God. It's all spoken by God. But also, God can speak through people through prophetic words. Um, This is also another way that God speaks. And we never hear 100% guaranteed this is exactly what God has said, but we prophesy in part. So it might be a little bit of God and a little bit of us thrown in. (laughs) But we try and weed out and and we say, okay, we weigh it. What is from God? What is God saying? But our primary way of hearing God speaking is looking at the Bible, looking at the scriptures and when God speaks we have a choice we're not made as like we're not these like Christian robots that God sort of like moves around and like we don't get any choice but when God speaks we have a choice one choice the good is to obey another choice the bad is to disobey and so I've called today's sermon when God speaks the good, the bad, and the grace of God. <laughs> Bit of an Indian uh, 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 thing that. Okay, so to do this, what we're going to do is we're going to. Uh, yeah, we're going to look at a character in the Old Testament. If I put this picture up. Oh, too easy, isn't it? Moses. Any advances on Moses? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Any advances on Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> yep. No, Nebuchadnezzar is, was right. <laughs> no. Uh, we're going to be looking at Jonah. And of course, when you see this picture, like everyone straight away, it's Jonah. I think whether you've been brought up in Christian family all your life and gone to church, then you sort of, you know this story like the back of your hand. But I think also, if you haven't been brought up in church... You probably have heard about, there's this story in the Bible about Jonah 
and this big fish, and there's this guy who gets swallowed by a big fish. I think basically everyone has heard of Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the big fish. It's an extremely popular story to tell young people. It's like, it's extremely rich, but also extremely simple. As I'm sure in our great Sunday school at some point. Done it. There you go. Done it already. Two weeks ago. Have you got any material? Would you like to come and... Kids did some nice pictures. Okay. Um, but you might be surprised to hear that the book of Jonah is not the first time that we meet the prophet Jonah. Um, you don't need to turn there, but in 2 Kings 14.25, we read this. So 2 Kings 14.25, we read this. Uh, sorry, 23 we'll go from, that's what I've got on the board. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Josh, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Josh, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored... Listen up. He restored the border of Israel from Lebohamath as far as the Sea of Araba, according to the word of the Lord. God speaks. The God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet. This is actually the first time that we meet Jonah in the Bible and although we don't specifically see what God says we see this the word of the Lord God speaks and it's an extremely good word it's a word uh, that's coming to a king who's not doing everything right but God says there's going to be uh what's there going to be there's going to be this restoration period. That the boundaries are going to be restored. And there's this, there's this moment of growth. So Jonah says to this guy, to the king, this is what's going to happen. And it's good news. There's going to be a restoration. <coughs> boundaries are going to expand and coffee is going to fall on the floor. There's this positive word from Jonah to the king. And it's this. There will be restoration. There will be boundaries are going to be getting bigger. This is good news. This is, if you're a prophet and you hear from the word, from God, you hear the word of the Lord. It's nice and easy if it's a message like this. So Jonah is very obedient. He does the right thing. He walks to the king and he says, the word of the Lord has said, there's going to be boundary restoration. And actually what happens very, very quickly afterwards is that the boundaries are restored. Hey, Alicia. So it's a positive message from the prophet Jonah. So the first time we meet Jonah, he's got a prophetic word that is positive. And how, yes, and how does he respond to that? He responds obediently. The good. Terry Virgo uh, says this, that life for Jonah must have been easy. 
There's a powerful king ruling over the prospering 10 northern tribes. And Israel's borders were extending as Jonah had prophesied. Jonah has prophesied to a king, this is going to happen. It happens. He must have been living a very nice, comfortable life. Got the ear of the king. And when, you, when he hears from God, what he speaks is positive and it happens. He's living a comfortable life. He's obedient. And through the grace of God, what God said he would do, he does. So that's the good. But if you want to turn to Jonah, we're going to see perhaps the other side of our choice. So as I said, uh, this book is a book that is absolutely fantastic. It's probably going to take you quite a while to get there. It's kind of like after Obadiah. Look, look in the, uh, look in your, if you've got a Bible, look in your index. It's the best way to get there because it's impossible to find another way. Just four chapters. I'll, I'll waffle a little bit for a while you, uh, until, until you find it. That's why the app's very helpful. Um, but as I said, Jonah is a book that is super, super good because it's really, really simple and like kids get it. But at the same time, there's so much depth to this book. And I absolutely love it. So much so that I was thinking about naming our next child Jonah. But we're not going to. (laughs) (laughs) But I love... (laughs) (laughs) But I love the book. There's so much depth to it. And what I love about it is that in the first um, instance when we meet Jonah, you, you sort of hear this prophet, son of Amittai, it's kind of like, okay, there's this prophet out there, but you don't really know so much about him. But in the book of Jonah, you get to meet the man. What was he really like? And so Jonah is this recognised prophet. He's a man of God. So this is, this is no new convert he'll be living a nice gentle life having prophesied about the restoration he's there he'll be on his camel people will be loving him oh look it's Jonah the guy who restored he's living this lovely comfortable life and then it's into this setting that the word of the Lord comes again and you can sort of like imagine like he's picking up his phone seeing this god ringing and sort of oh it's god i wonder what it's going to be this time how positive is it going to be this time what's it going to be about this time he's like yes god and then this is what we read happens jonah 1 verse 1 now the word of the lord came via iphone to jonah the son of amittai saying arise i've got this on the board sorry arise go to nineveh that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And you can sort of kind of imagine, Jonah, he's like, okay, I think, I think you've just made a mistake, God. I'm pretty sure what I just heard is you said, go to Nineveh. That's got to be wrong. And the reason he probably would have thought that is because Nineveh is not a very nice place. This is now no longer a positive message. This is no, no longer a, a prospering, restoration, boundaries expanding, expanding message. This is quite the opposite. Go to Nineveh. So Nineveh would have been this 
big and intimidating city compared to the place where Jonah was from. It's a little bit like going from Gothenburg, where you know people, uh, where, you, you know, if you get on the tram, every so often you bump into someone, people have nice smiley faces on the whole, not everyone, but most people. <laughs> and it's like going from Gothenburg to, for example, like New York, or I was going to say Stockholm, because then you get the rivalry going. Uh, New York, or like this big intimidating city where you, you're, like, you're lost, you don't know anyone, there's no one you know, it's all scary. So it's, God is calling Jonah out of a comfortable existence towards this city that is like big, intimidating, scary. But not only is it big, not only does he not know anyone, but actually Nineveh were the enemies of Israel. So God says, go to the enemies. For us, perhaps a modern day example would be like one of the like Islamic state countries where it's literally you can't be above ground if you're a Christian if you want to survive. There are similar places these days. And so God is saying, go to Nineveh or go to the Islamic state. Go to this place where it's going to be extremely, extremely dangerous if you are a man of God or a Christian. One Ninevite, one king from Nineveh, (laughs) Ninevitian king, one king from Nineveh wrote this about describing one of his military campaigns. I caused great slaughter. I destroyed, I demolished, I burned. I took their warriors prisoner and I impaled them on stakes before the cities. Many of the captives I burned in a fire. Many I took alive. From some, I cut off their hands. Others, noses, ears, fingers. I put out the eyes of many soldiers. I burn their young men and women to death. And then he goes on to talk about what he does to his own rebellious officials, the people who are on his side. He says, I would skin rebellious royal officials alive and drape them over the city walls of Nineveh. And then he says, thus, I have constantly established my victory and strength over all the land. You sort of think, I'm not surprised. This is like extreme scary this is the place that god is calling jonah to go to it's scary it's big and intimidating but actually it's also enemy territory and enemy territory led by kings like this when the bible talks about nineveh it says that they were known for idolatry witchcraft prostitution it was a city full of liars and thieves these are the descriptions of nineveh i hope you're getting a picture that this isn't such an um, exciting and nice and fluffy picture and prophet, prophet, prophecy as the first one. This is quite the opposite. Go to Nineveh. And so what does Jonah do? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What does Jonah do? He goes literally in the opposite direction. God says, go to Nineveh, call out against it. And Jonah says, no thanks. I'm going to go to Tarshish. 
picture, I believe. Okay. Literally going completely the opposite direction to the end of the known world for him. Like literally, how far can I go? Uh, Tarshish, okay, I'm going there. It's like God calling us to New York and then us going to Sydney or Bangkok or somewhere in, in the opposite direction. Jonah hears from God and he goes in the opposite direction. Remember, this is a man of God. This is someone who hears God's voice, speaks to kings and boundaries are expounded. He hears from God again. He says, no, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh. It's scary. It's dangerous. I think you've probably made a mistake there, God. You're having an off day. I'll go to Tarshish. And when we read this story, we can think, Jonah, how weak you are. (laughs) If that was me, Lord God, no problems at all. I'd have gotten the first, I'd have directly gone to Nineveh. But it's quite easy for us to say that, isn't it? I think if we were to really put ourselves, really put ourselves in his place, I wonder, what would you do? What would you have done? I think for me, I would have gone, done exactly what Jeremy did. It's this scary, prophetic word that God is calling him into this new place, this new season. It's extreme, it's scary. And so what does Jeremy do? He said, no thanks. So Jonah hears, and Jonah goes in the opposite direction. And he gets it on a ship, on a boat, and he falls asleep. And as he's asleep, the wind starts to pick up, and the rain starts to come down. Picture? Yes. I think that's actually from, from when it happened. Pretty sure. I googled authentic pictures. So must be right. You gotta trust Google. The, the rain comes down. The wind starts to pick up. The waves start to crash around the ship. I, if you have been on a plane with me, or if you are coming to Devoted at the end of summer, you will notice one thing. I'm a little bit of a nervous flyer, and so when the uh, turbulence starts. What I do is, I, yeah, I look at the flight attendants who are sort of walking up and down with the coffee, and I look at them, and if they're smiling, and sort of like, what coffee would you like, and you know, what tea would you like, and they're still smiling, and even the, the plane's bumping, if they're happy and they're smiling, I'm like, it's all good. Even though I feel a bit nervous, they're happy. But if it was to be bumpy, and instead of them serving their coffee and doing all that sort of stuff, they're looking around at each other like, that's when I know it's time to panic. Now, Jonah is in a situation like this. Sea-hardened sailors are now no longer serving the coffee and the tea and those little like, bag of nuts. Although you probably don't get them anymore because of allergies. You used to get them back in the day. But instead, these sailors are starting, <laughs> these sailors are starting to panic. So much so that they're calling out to all their gods. They're trying to do anything they can. Why has this happened to us? Why has this storm come on us? They are getting super, super worried. Super, super scared. So they go down and they see Jonah, this random guy. He's asleep. 
on a pillow. And so they wake him. Do you know why? What has happened? Why has this happened? And they cast lots. Who, 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 who has caused this disaster to come upon us? And Jonah's probably there, groggy, just woken up, but thinking, do you know what? I know exactly who has caused this to come on you. I know exactly the reason why, this start, why you've stopped serving your tea and your coffee and you're starting to throw things overboard and get, think you're going to die. It's because of me. And so they cast lots and his thoughts come true. It lands on Jonah. Of course it does. He, he must have been thinking, oh, of course it's going to land on me. And he says, because of me. And he throw me overboard and then the storm is going to cease. And so they pick him up and they throw him overboard. This prophet who had the ear of a king, boundaries will be extended and God comes through. This prophet that must have been living an amazing life, the man of God, is thrown over sea, running in the opposite direction from what God has called him to do. And I don't know, I mean, you can imagine perhaps a little bit, what's, what's he thinking in his head as he's on his way to death? As he's, as he's sinking through this, you know, this incredibly cold and wet environment, just going down and just thinking, what have I done? I was there. God spoke to me. And then God spoke to me again. And I, why didn't I listen to God? Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't I think, yeah, God knows what's best for me? Why did I have to try and flee? He probably has the Psalm 139 ringing, ringing through his ears. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go? In the heavens, you're there. In the depths, you're there. Of course, I can't run from God. What sort of idiot am I to try and run from God? What a way to end my life. And then, you, and then he's thinking, God, oh, is that a fish? Oh, <laughs> going to get eaten by a fish. At least I'm not going to drown. Probably thought something like that. I don't know, unless it came from behind. <laughs> <laughs> but if he was wearing spy glasses with mirrors, <laughs> oh, sorry, we sell them at this school. It's too far, too far, Josh. And then along comes a fish and... Gobbles him up. Jonah did everything to try and get away from God. I don't want you, God. I'm not going to listen to you. God was not finished with Jonah. He used difficult circumstances, scary circumstances. But he got Jonah back. We, we can try our best to get away from God. But the grace of God is this, that we can't go far enough. However far you try and run from God, he's going to go further. It's amazing. This is the grace 
of God. You hear from God. You run in the opposite direction. And God says, no, I'm not finished with you. God could have easily just brought up another Jonah. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he said, no, Jonah, I'm not finished with you. I'm coming after you. Jonah makes a very, very bad call. He tries to escape God's direction. God speaks. He tries to escape that. But even though he tries to escape that, God says, I'm not finished with you. It's the grace of God. There's perhaps a misconception that uh, grace comes in the New Testament through Jesus. Grace is in the Old Testament again and again and again. It's this great example here of grace. So what about us? Nice. God speaks. We have a choice. We can choose to be obedient or we can choose to be disobedient. Just a couple of things that God has said. John 13. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. This is God speaking. Mark 8. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is God speaking. Ephesians 5 to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Like a big crash against the wall there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is God speaking. What do you do? We always, always, always have a choice. God's never going to, as I said at the beginning, we're not robots. God's not going to say, like, move us, like our hands. We're not Muppets, puppets. Not Muppets. <laughs> not puppets. So we have a choice. When God speaks, do we obey? Or do we run in the opposite direction? Now, sometimes when God speaks, it's relatively easy. Like, for example... Love one another. For me, I've been called to love Nina. It's pretty easy. I love her. She's very easy to love, I think. I'm sure you all do as well. Okay? She's pretty. She smells nice. She's clever. She works hard. She's a great mum. It's easy to love her. Love her as Christ loved the church, however. That's a bit more difficult. Because that's loving her even though she has many flaws. And the power, the power that Christ loves the church, that is, that is powerful love. That is powerful love. That is going to the cross love. That one, I'm tempted to run a little bit away from. Really self-sacrificial love, as in like, I need to die to love Nina. Then I'm a little bit more tempted to, to go to Tarshish, to go to Sydney, to run away. Perhaps it's easy for us to love one another 
when we're, you know, all reasonably into similar interests and, you know, like similar food and, I don't know, not that smelly and stuff like that. For the most of us, I think, I'm not sure. I've not, I've not showered today. That's why I'm standing up here. But what about when people come amongst us who's, who aren't so lovable? I don't know, don't have any teeth, who don't have any money, like who are difficult, who, who just don't make any conversation. Like you could sort of say, hi, and yeah, oh, have you had a good week? Yes. So what are you interested in? Not much. How, it's not so easy to love these people. But Jesus said, God speaks, he said, love one another. See, it's easy to love people if you like them. Then we, then we, it's like the prophetic word to the king. It's an easy prophet, prophetic word. It's no problem. But when they're not like us, it's like going to Nineveh. Perhaps not quite as extreme. You're not risking your life. But hey, the conversation's going to be bad. It's going to be dry. It's going to be boring. I mean, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to church to like enjoy myself. I'm going out for coffee to enjoy myself. I don't want to, I don't want to go to Nineveh. So what, what do you do then? Crap, I thought I had another scripture. <laughs> <laughs> right, I should have another scripture. Um, Jesus said in Luke 10, Go, I'm sending you out like lamb amongst wolves. Now, Nina's parents own a summer house, and around the summer house, there's a few packs of wolves. Eric, Nina's brother, and I went out one night hunting them. That was a bad idea. Luckily, we didn't find any, but we both went out with a kitchen knife. I think I had a bread knife, because that's all we could find. Let's just stay there. Um, and luckily, we didn't find any. But we both fancied our chances against wolves. Eric's very strong. I'm a man. <laughs> Not super strong, but I'm, you know, I'd, ha I'd have had his back. He'd have gone first. But we'd have had, we had knives and we felt quite, okay, we can have a go against this. Jesus is not saying I'm sending you out with knives and I'm sending you out with your strong brother-in-law. He said, I'm sending you amongst wolves as lambs. You know, like those, like, little feeble lambs. Like, do you really think, just think about that for a minute, lambs don't have a chance against wolves. Like, they just don't have a chance. They're going to die. That's what Jesus is saying about us. He's sending us out as lambs amongst wolves. He's sending us from our comfortable, cosy existence to Nineveh. And he's saying, will you go? Will you go? Or is it, are you just in, the, in for the, the comfortable bits, the nice, the, the nice prophecies, the nice bits, the easy bits? Because actually, it's much more harder to make an argument for that to be a Christian. What's easy is to see these scriptures. You're going to die. If you lose yourself, you find yourself. Lambs amongst wolves. Comfort to Nineveh. Mm. 
Uh, not everything as a Christian is, is difficult. Absolutely not. Don't get me wrong. But when that difficult challenge, whether it's a place or a person or whatever it is, when that comes along, what are you going to do? Comfort? Nineveh. What I want to do is I want to finish. Uh, by reading Jonah 2. This is a prayer that Jonah uh, prayed to God as he was in the belly of the fish. So he's been through all of this. He's, you know, up and down, been through it all. This is what he prays. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Whatever decision we make, because we're not perfect, we're going to make mistakes. And when we make the wrong decision, God picks us up again. It's the grace of God. He says, try again. And then perhaps we get another go and we make the wrong decision again. God picks us up and says, try again. It's the grace of God. Let's be a people who hear from God and obey. But let's also be a people who are completely, completely, completely covered by the grace of God. So that when we don't obey... We remember Jesus. And actually when we do obey, we remember Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. And I was going to cry, but I did a instead. Clever. We're going to finish with a quick song, I think. If that's okay, Alid. I would just love us just to spend a bit of moment, a bit of moment, a bit of time worshipping Jesus. Um, and we're going to sing, yeah, we're going to sing a song here is love. Look. Whether we obey, God loves us. Whether we disobey, God loves us. It's amazing. It's the grace of God. It's all being made possible through Jesus. Jesus is so good. He really is. I need to be reminded of that all the time. So let's, let's, uh, let's worship Jesus. Please do stand.